Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. guys would agree with me that if God has a perspective on something and it's different than ours, he's not the person who needs to adjust that we are, right? How many of you guys would agree with this, that if God believes something that we don't, we probably need to shift into agreement with what he believes about something? Do you guys agree with that? Good. Well, we're just going to continue pressing into this for now. Um, I want to I just really believe that God wants to reveal to us his, his understanding of who, the, who his church is. And how many of you guys know that when God sees truth in somebody that maybe they don't see yet, it's actually far greater than they understood it was? You guys believe that? Yeah, yeah and that's what it is with the church too. And I started this series on Pentecost Sunday, um, and, and then last week I preached out of Revelation 12, actually for two, two weeks in a row. Uh, well, it was split by Laura. It was two sermons in a row. Revelation 12 about the, about the church and the dragon, right, and the overcoming church. And so I, I needed to get those first because I'm trying to lay out some line-on-line, precept-on-precept concepts that we're building on about who the church is. And, and so... The, the DNA, the very beginnings of the church actually started by the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And like that's, that if you read Acts chapter 2, like that's God's view of what revival looks like. Amen? Is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and lives transformed and, and the world's changed through the people. So um, that's what we're believing for. But um, I, I was just thinking about this yesterday that, if I have my count correct, and it, it might be off, but I think I'm right about this, the Overflow Church is my 11th church in my life that I've been involved in. And I, I, thought, I thought through this. Now, I might be able to throw one in there that um, when I was a baby, but I, I don't count that because I don't consider myself to have been involved in it so much. But uh, the churches that I'm just thinking through that I remember a different season in my life. I started out in the Shirley Christian Church. How many of you guys have ever heard of the, I don't know if they call it the denomination, but I consider that a denomination called the Christian Church. It's also, have you heard of the Church of Christ? So they're kind of, they're like brothers and sisters, right? Uh, the Christian Church, uh, that's where I started. That's where I kind of started cutting my teeth in the, in the church realm. And then when I was going into kindergarten for two years, I, my family moved to Muncie. Um, to, so my dad could go to Ball State for a little bit, and we went to a church called University Christian Church, or maybe it's, yeah, I think that's what it's called, University Ch- Christian Church. Don't get that confused with the Universalist Christian Church, because that's not one we would go to, all right? So we did that for a couple years, then we moved back to the area that we were from and went right back to Shirley Christian Church for a little bit. Um, and, and our pastor and, and a, about half the people in that church started realizing, like, we want to we wanna get more, we want to break out of traditionalism and stuff because they felt like just the repeat behaviors, like going through form and ritual 
wasn't cutting it. So they wanted to actually start exploring like freedom and worship and stuff. And, and let me just say that didn't go real well in that church. And so uh, unfortunately, there's a church split, but it was kind of like a mutual agreement. Like some people were like, we're, we don't want to change in that way, and you do. So let's just agree to disagree and part ways. And so um, from there, a church called Christ Fellowship Church was formed, and that was the church. I don't remember how old I was, but I pretty much grew up most of my uh, growing up days at Christ Fellowship Church. Um, when I was in seventh grade, we moved to North Carolina. Um, it turned out only one year because my dad got homesick, <laughs> and he wanted to get back here. And we're like, Dad, we like the beach, but hey, whatever. We'll get back to our family too, I guess. Beach or family, right? No, I'm just joking. But we went to a church there that, if I remember right, was called New Covenant Church. Did that for one year. Moved back to Indiana, dove right back into Christ Fellowship, and stayed there for all those years. Uh, but I went to Bible college for a year and in 95 and moved to Ohio. And so that year I was plugged into a church called World Harvest Church, uh, which is led by Rod Parsley, if any of you guys have ever heard him. Went to his Bible college. Then back to Christ Fellowship again, all right? Because that was my home base. And, but it was in 2001 that I moved to Tennessee. And, and eventually I met Jessica, but not quite yet. Um, and I, I heard of this church called the River Church, and it was meeting at the YMCA. And I don't know about you, but I, I love me some river of the Holy Ghost. Amen? So I went there, and it was actually a church that Michael W. Smith helped found. And so I'd heard about that, and it was pretty good. And uh, believe it or not, some of you are going to appreciate what I'm about to say. Some of the rest of you are going to be like, dude, put the microphone down. But I, I got the privilege of meeting Michael W. Smith at the urinal. <laughs> Not joking. <laughs> at the urinal. That's what I met Michael W. Smith at the urinal of the church that he helped found. So raise your hand if you liked it. Raise your hand if you're like, put the microphone down. All right? Okay. Sorry. You guys know me. I like to have fun, but... From there, though, I, I didn't really feel like that was where God wanted me long term, and so uh, he led me to a church called New Song, and that's where I met Jessica. That's where I got some more ministry training and stuff, and it was awesome. Then from there, like, they sent a church plant out to Lewisburg, which is the town Jessica's from, called Potter's House, and so I felt led to go partner with that pastor and help him get that church planted, and that was awesome. Um, Hope Chapel in, in Hawaii was where we went for two years when we moved to Hawaii from there. And that's a four-square church, just like New Song was. And then from there, Bethel, nine years at Bethel. And then we came here, Overflow Church. Come on. And if, I, if my count is right, if I, if I didn't miss any, uh, that's 11 churches. And I mean, I, I, my count could be off because I actually had it at 10 today until I remembered um, that year at Wilmington, so 11, that's what I think it is, 11. I'm cool with that. You know why? Because 11 has been a pretty important number prophetically to me about trans transition and upgrades forward, okay? So I'm cool with that. Are you? You guys good this morning? All right. Um, so anyway, I, I grew up most of my growing up days at Christ Fellowship, and it, it didn't start, it started out 
um, charismatic in the realm of like free worship and stuff, <clears throat> but it was a few years later that um, the, 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 the Holy Spirit started like finding his way in there. And uh, that's a whole story I'm not going to take time on, but, um, but we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and, and I, was fifth, I was 14 years old when that happened to me, and that just changed my life. By the time I was 15, it was like everything else is done. I'm all in for Jesus all the way, and that's all I care about. And so we had seasons of revival and seasons of outpourings of the Holy Spirit, and it was awesome. And so that's kind of what I knew going in my teenage years, my early adult years, all I really knew was church is really about God showing up in our midst and changing lives, and, and we're going to change the world through that. Amen? All right. Um, so, but, but one of the things that was kind of tricky for me, because I, my, the entirety of my church experience in that phase was Christ Fellowship. I, I had friends in other churches and stuff, but I didn't actually have a whole lot of personal exposure to other churches and stuff. And in the late 90s, um, my cousin, who was from Indiana, from Fortville, he actually, um, he was in a Bible college down in Kentucky, and some of his buddies formed a band, and they got real popular. I don't mean like real popular, like some of the main ones, you know, but, uh, but they got pretty popular, and they got signed by a, by a music label in Nashville, Tennessee, and so they moved down there, and they got plugged in with the whole community there, started doing tours and stuff, and it was exciting. But, um, but one of the things that I noticed after a few years of them doing that was the, the, their experiences with the, the church, like the large church, right, was that they, they, would, they would come back and they'd tell stories and kind of re- even report to me, like, and not just me, but um, of, of experiences they were having. And some of them were, were incredible, and God doing kingdom works, like bringing transformation through love and discipleship, evangelism, all that kind of stuff, places where they're going. But there also was a lot of experiences where they were going to churches where, where the people at the churches that hosted these, these concerts, then they saw like tattoos on them, and they're like, well, you must not love Jesus after all. And, and then they'd start, like, judging them, and maybe some of them have piercings and stuff. And, like, they're having these concerts, and kids are getting saved, right? Like, God's actually moving and changing lives through them. But people are like, but, you know, we're not going to look at that because you got this going on. Whatever the case was. And they started just seeing a lot of, a lot of criticism and judgment and stuff. And, and uh, not everywhere, but more than they probably realized, Okay. And I was like, man, I, I didn't realize that it was that much like that out there. And uh, th- there's this common term that I heard them say often was peop- they and their friends getting jaded. Like they're just starting to feel more jaded towards the church. And, and so, like, I, I didn't quite understand that because I, I loved the church. But uh, in 2000, the summer of 2000, I had resigned being a youth pastor at Christ Fellowship, and I got the privilege of going on a, a coast-to-coast music tour with these guys for three months. And, man, that was an experience. They had this crappy little minibus thing with beds in it. It wasn't like the kind like, like the big dogs ride in, okay? It was a small one, and it stank. And I'm telling you, man, those beds in there, that smelled like a locker room because those guys have been using that thing for years. 
But it was cool. Like, I was okay with the locker smell, camping out with these guys on a moving bus. And you wake up in the middle of the night because Dave is up there driving, getting drowsy and going on the side of the road. And you're like, whoa, what happened? And you're like, wake up, like freaking out that you're about to die. So that was fun. That happened a couple of times. We actually did die once, but... Um, <laughs> But, but I got the opportunity, though, to, I got coast to coast. I saw most of the states on that tour. It was awesome. And I also got the experience of, of going to all these different churches and venues that were hosting these Christian concerts, and they were bringing people, and they did these things as outreaches and stuff. And it was so cool. We saw God move a lot of times, and we saw um, amazing ministries. But I also got to witness ones that were really critical and judgmental and causing people to get jaded with church realm. So I got to see that stuff a little more. I was, my eyes were getting more opened, more exposed to beyond just the one, the one church most of my life happened. So with all that said, like, um, I, I, over the years, like, I've just, I've just heard a lot of people um, kind of talking bad about God's church. And, and I get it. Like, I, I get it. I've been there. I've felt it. I've seen it. And I know that there are real church wounds, okay? I know that. There's real leadership hurts that people have from, bad, from true bad experiences. I get that. And so a lot of times people have these encounters and experiences that are not pleasant and don't know how to manage their hearts well with it and stuff. And so when we don't know how to how to respond the right way for unto healing, we, we tend to react and build walls and, and create separation so I can protect me from you. Does that make sense? And so, but, but I've just seen that, like, I've heard a lot of preachers, um, they'll, they'll, they'll have a cool message, but then they'll start talking about the church down the road and all the things they're doing and stuff and and not good like not uplifting but more like slamming them and stuff and and so you know I'd hear I come from charismatic realm and so I I hear references to the baptists or whatever but I've also heard the baptists make references to the charismatics and some people are getting over it enough to be able to just make jokes and we can laugh and just say we're just different and that's cool but some people haven't and so, and then there's seeker-sensitive churches, then there's Holy Ghost outpouring churches, and usually the two don't like each other too much because of opposite reasons, right? There's churches that have community-focused, then other ones that have presence-focused. It's like, I don't like that because they're not doing this, or I don't like that because they're not doing this, and, and there's just all this criticism going on between each other. Home churches versus congregational churches. There's just all the different things, and people have a tendency of looking at the other and say, I don't like that, so I'm going to do this instead in reaction to that, okay? And so there's just a lot of that stuff happening. There's a lot of people who have gotten an awesome revelation of the kingdom of God, and that's not confined just to the church, and so because I'm a kingdom person, I don't actually need the church. A lot of people have reached that place too, and, and I've heard a lot of people who, who make references to the church in America, they call it the American church or the Western church, or some people call it the modern church or whatever you want to say, and, and it's usually not in a positive slant, but usually it's more like, man, this is not what God dreamed of, okay? And so, and, and I've even heard people say it's not even God's true church. Like what you see today, that's not God's true church. 
Well, let me ask a question. Who is any of us to judge that? Okay? So there's a lot of tearing down amongst Christians instead of a lot of building up and edifying. There's a lot of problem discovery, but not a lot of problem solving. Okay? How's everybody doing right now? You good? Am I creating a leadership wound right now? <laughs> Hope not. Okay? And, and, and in this reason, I, I've actually, I've literally heard people prophesy this, okay? That God, it, he hates this thing that we call the church, and he's going to be tearing this thing down. I've heard that prophecy before. And, and in this region even, like, like personally, I've heard people prophesy things about God showed them in this region there's only a, a few churches that he, that he sees as the real church, and, and he's going to, he, he's actually pulling away from a lot of the churches, and he's going he's gonna to dissemble or tear things down, but the real ones are going to stand, and they're going to grow and be dynamic. Well, cool for the dynamic word, part of that word. And, and, and I've even heard people say that, and they say, and God showed me the overflow is the one that's going to that's gonna stand and be strong. And I received that part. That's awesome. I believe that about us. I don't believe it about all the rest, okay? Just to be honest, and you'll hear why in a little in a little bit. So you guys are gonna have to you're gonna have to walk through this stuff with me. By the way, I'm not there yet, but if you want to go ahead and get your Bibles open to Matthew 16 while I'm wor- working through some of this, we can judge what church should be like or should not be like all we want, okay? And some people look at the problems of the church and then they react to the problems. And, and often they'll either do it through judgment or through leaving it or both, all right? And, uh, and I, I remember a time in my life when I was walking through all that stuff and I'm seeing these things and, and I know I've got a calling from God. Excuse me. I know I've got a calling from God and I'm seeing the mess of the church. I, I actually had to walk through a season of the Lord putting a pathway, a, a fork in the road. Am I going to focus my life on parachurch ministry, which means ministry outside the church, or church ministry, church ministry within the church? And, and it could have gone either way, and I'm sure it could have been awesome. But for me, the Lord took me through this whole process for a long time of, of helping me to get to this place where I realized that I, I can't react to the problem. i got to be part of the solution, Okay. And so I had to work through that stuff myself. I've been there. And, and I felt like God wants me to respond by becoming a part of the solution, not, not, just, to, not just to see the problem and then just go do something else to, to avoid the problem, but to be part of the solution to help heal the problem and to restore the church. Power pause. Because I want you to take that in for a second. If people cast stones at the church and the leaders of the church because they've seen them seemingly casting stones and, and, and we can call them Pharisees or whatever, Sadducees, whatever we want to label them, right? If we, if we cast stones at them because of what they're doing, um, we, we're, we're no better, <laughs> We're no better if we cast judgment 
on the people that we think are not doing things right. And last week, I talked out of Revelation 12, and we focused some on Satan, who is called the accuser of the brethren. And I also mentioned last week that often Satan's best weapons come by, by working through the brokenness of Christians. And, and when it talks about the fiery darts and the, the shield of faith extinguishing the fiery darts that come against us, a lot of times those fiery darts actually got fired off through Christians because of judgments. Okay? I want you guys to hear my heart here. This is part of that grief that I felt from the Lord in, in Wilmington out on the beach deck that night. Okay? I felt his burden. The, the accuser of the brethren works through the brokenness of believers to cast fiery darts at each other. Happens. But that, and, that, and that's part of the problem. Okay? I've, uh, I, the Lord led us to Bethel to get under the apostolic covering and to get in that community, that f- the flow of the river and, and the, the revival culture and, and for that to be our family, our stream, and that he would send us out in, the, in his right time under that covering and so we can keep building the, the mission of that. And uh, one of the biggest values that Jessica and I got from Bill Johnson and Chris Valatin, when they were sending us out to do ministry in churches and stuff, is um, the the value of the church. Because a lot of people look at Bethel and they're like, man, that looks like what I want. And then a lot of people turn their hearts away from their churches so they can go dive into the thing that God's doing. The better thing, I'm going to leave the thing to go to the better thing. And, like, sometimes God leads people to do that, and it's good, but a lot of times people are actually aborting their mission and assignment from heaven because they want to get the better experience, and they abandon something that the Lord is actually calling them into a commitment for. Boy, is it quiet in here. Is this a patty cake sermon? (laughs) I don't think it is. All right. But, but like Bill taught us, like, we're not here to judge the church. We're not, like, we're so thankful for this profound thing God's doing. But I don't want to look at the other people who's not doing the same thing or maybe they don't get it or maybe they even hate this. Still loving them, still seeing value in them, still seeing that they're amazing and God created them different than he created us. And there's graces on that and we want to bless it. And, and even to the extent that, that, like, Bill, like, he actually never wanted to create a church planting movement or to even build a denomination. You know why? Because his heart is not to just make new churches, it's to heal the existing church. That's awesome. There's an honor for the church. Honor goes past your ability to agree with everything a person's doing. To see value behind the surface stuff, and to put and to put value on the on beyond the thing I'm seeing that that look might it might look ugly, might feel not good, but to be able to see that there's treasure behind that 
And I want to I tap the treasure and draw it to the surface because in doing that, it actually can bring transformation and God can purify the ugly stuff through drawing the gold out to the surface. So bringing healing to the church. And, and also, like, Bill's amazing. If he gets invited to go somewhere to preach, like, he, he, he asked them, like, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to not say? And, and there, are, there have been denominational churches that don't even like the gifts of spirit, and they'd be like, could you please teach on this? Maybe it, maybe it was honor or something, but please don't hit these other things, okay, because we're not there with you. And instead of Bill, like, saying, no, if you get me, this is what I come with. I'm going to bring that to you. What you see is what you get. No, he's like, I, I honor you. I, I do carry that thing you're asking me to bring. I'm going to bring it, and I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to be okay not doing this part because I want to show you that this is important, too. And what you need in this, I value that. I'm not going to push myself onto you. It's amazing. And guess what? That heart posture is actually one favor with people. People who disagreed with things, who, who actually said that they, did, they realized Bill, he's actually a genuine man who loves really well. And the next time, like they brought him back the next year, and they're like, preach on whatever you want. And then God showed up the, a year later with miracles. Because the honor and the... the and the Lord shifted things. Like that's, that happens so many times. Do you guys see that picture I'm saying? That's, that's why Bethel, and, and we've brought it here, a core value called hope in a glorious church. Hope. I, I have hope for something that maybe I don't see right now, but it doesn't mean that that treasure is not in there. And I want to do what I can to draw that thing forth. Amen? I wanna, I'm going to... Ask this. Don't, don't answer me. This is rhetorical. <laughs> I don't have time for conversations right now, guys, right? Just joking. If there's one elemental quality that God needed to see to build his church from, what would it be? If there's one initial elemental quality that God needed to be able to build his church on, what would it be? Yep. I'm going to tell you what it is. We're going to pull back from how we're perceiving church right now, and, and let's, let's just try to let go of our current perception of church and go back to what God's perception was before the church even existed, all right? Back when it was, when it was, he was pregnant with the church before it was given birth, because it was given birth to on Pentecost, so before birth comes, there's pregnancy, right? So Jesus came here, and, he, and he's pregnant with the church <laughs> for three and a half years. And, and the word for church in the Greek is ekklesia. And the first time that that word is mentioned in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 16. And I want us to hit this. And I'm not going to be able to get through the whole thing today. I already know that. I just hope I can get through the part I thought I was going to get to today. We'll see. All right, but I'm going to read uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 21, and I'm going to go back and start 
speaking into some stuff. All right, so Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist. Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. Some say Elijah. Ooh, that's a good one. Jesus might have, he could have potentially, if he was like us, he'd be like, I like that. Yeah, you give me the, the best ones out there. I like that. All right? They're, these are like prestigious people. Okay, John the Baptist, Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so Jesus could have been like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. But, but that also truly to Jesus was just flattery. Okay, that was just flattery to Jesus, all right? Because what does he say? He goes on, he says, um, he says, but who do you say that I am? Like, he could have, like, relished in the moment, but he didn't. He honestly, like, I'm sure he's honored, but I don't think he probably gave a rip that they were esteeming him at this high level of these amazing, anointed, earthly men. All right? So, so who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Everybody say, he is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. Come on. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Okay, so the Father revealed something to him that there's no way he could have understood on his own abilities. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, let me just stop and say that when Jesus thinks about his church, he sees something so powerful that the gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. That is powerful. Okay? He says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That is powerful. All right, and then verse 20, then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. And, and if your Bible is like mine, it cuts off there, but guess what? Matthew didn't cut off there. I'm going to read 21 also. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. All right, I'm not going to linger on that verse, but I have to say this. Like why in the introductory passage about the church, why was it important that it follows right behind that talking about Jesus and, the, re and the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. And I'm going to tell you, it's because the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very central part of everything in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is making a prophetic declaration about a church that is yet to come. And it, but it's got to be built on the foundations and the, and the, the centrality of Jesus crucified, and resurrected. We have to make sure we understand that the cross is always supposed to be close to everything that's going on in his kingdom. Okay? You guys see that? 
All right, so let me get back in here. Verse 14, um, they're, they're like, he's like, it's you, they, some are saying you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, all that. And so that, that was prestigious people that they're comparing Jesus to, so it's kind of an honorable experience. And it, it could be flattering, but it didn't cut it for Jesus, all right? Jesus never got caught up in flattery. In John 2, verses 23 through 25, um, it says this, uh, now he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, and many believed in his name. Come on, that's awesome. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. All right, so we would think that because they, many believed in his names, that, that is the greatest thing to celebrate. But it goes on, it says, but Jesus did not commit himself to them. Whoa, they believed in his name, and he still didn't commit himself to them. Wow. Because he knew all men. And he had no need that, need that anyone should testify of man, for he knows what was in man. So why would I bring that verse into this Mar Mar sorry, Matthew 16 passage? It's because of this. People believed in Jesus' name because of the miracles he did, but that did not cut it for Jesus. Okay? He, he wasn't looking for people to just recognize this anointed man and be able to believe he's an anointed man. So when, when these people are saying, they, they think you're John the Baptist or, or Elijah or whatever, like Jesus, like it, it might be flattering, but it didn't mean anything to him because he knows what's in a man. And so he knows that if they're comparing him with another man, who's super anointed and walks in signs and wonders, okay, that's great, but that's, that is not what I'm looking for here, okay? So the, when Jesus said, what do, what do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Jesus actually, right in that statement, called himself the Son of Man, okay? He said, who do people say I, the Son of Man? I want to tell you that the, the term Son of Man is a term for the Messiah, all right? Sets him apart from all others. It's a term for the Messiah, but it's a term that focuses on Jesus' humanity, okay? The Messiah's humanity, and so it's an earth view of Jesus. You can see Jesus as the Son of Man from your soul without even having the Spirit connected to it, all right? So Jesus is saying, I'm the son of man. Who do people say I am? And so they're giving earthly ideas of who they think he is. It's like earthly versions of something spiritual. Okay? So it's trying to connect with spiritual from the flesh, which is what a large part of Christianity spends every day doing. You guys need to listen. Spending a lot of our... Our Christian experience is connect, trying to connect with God from our soul level, okay? And so, and so a lot of people actually don't even know Jesus. A lot of believers don't actually even know Jesus. They, they just know about him. I'm talking about in this current world, possibly even in this room. People... They know about him, but they don't actually truly know him, okay? And so, and Jesus needs a higher level connection to a person's heart than the ability to connect with him on a, on a human 
a godly, a godly level, but not actually seeing the deeper thing, all right? So he wants us to know him after the spirit, at a spirit level. And so Simon Peter answered him, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, there's no way you could have known this, except that my father revealed, you, revealed me to you, right? So, so Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and that actually is another term for the Messiah, the anointed one, all right? But, but that term is a, is a term for the Messiah from what the focus is not on his humanity, but on his divinity, okay? You guys doing all right, or is this too heady? We good? Okay. Thanks. Okay, so, so the, the term the Christ, the Son of the living God, connects Jesus not to human anointed one, but God anointed one. Does that make sense? The only way you can have that, that understanding is from the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit will awaken people's understanding in a spirit level. Not to see Jesus from an earth view, but to see him from a heaven view. Okay? I see Jesus now from my spirit. And so Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. <clears throat> I think it's amazing that it's the Father who revealed this to Jesus, or to, to Peter. The Father. Why is that important? Because it's the Father. Okay? It's because, because God is a family man. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, so God saw Jesus and he knew he's his son. He declares him to the world. But, uh, and we can know Jesus as the son of God because we read it in the Bible. So we can understand that in our minds. But it's when the Holy Spirit and the Father reveal Jesus to you where you actually encounter him in your spirit level that now you can know him by revelation, not just by cognitive understanding. Okay? So God wants us to know fully who Jesus is, right? And so, so Peter has this encounter. He's got this revelation as the Father. So he knows Jesus now, not from just human level, but from spirit level. Okay? He had a revelation. And... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, it's from that level that we're born again, at the spirit level. How many of you guys have been born again of the spirit? Yep. So guess what? You have the Holy Spirit, you have the Father who, who does, he has, and he, and he will continue to reveal Jesus to you, okay? Now I want to remind us that, uh, that, that the revelation that Peter had that changed everything was that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Everybody say that with me. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's do it again. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. How many of you guys believe that? How many of you guys have at some point in your life actually been able to see that in your spirit and so it's easy to connect your spirit to that reality now. Awesome. And, and it seems to be such a basic thing, such a basic fundamental Christian belief, right? 
To, for, like it's not hard for you to say Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Like that is, that is the very entry point into Christianity is to be able to know that about Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. That's so easy, isn't it? Like it's not like crazy profound, but it's crazy powerful and real. And, and if we feel like that's not, that's not like revelatory enough or deep enough, Get back to the basic of it because that is everything. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the son of the living God. Okay? I'm going to go somewhere. You guys just stick with me a little bit longer here. Matthew 16, 18. So Jesus said that only the Father could, could reveal that to you, right? And I also say to you that you are Peter because he just called him Simon Barjona. But now he's saying, I'm going to call you Peter, I'm not going to call you Simon Barjona now. I'm going to call you Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He said, you are Peter, so he went from calling him Simon Barjona to Peter. And the, the Greek for Peter, guess what it is? It's profound. Petros. Peter, Petros, okay, it's pretty close. Petros, and Petros means a rock. It, it, but, it, but it doesn't just mean like any rock. It actually means a small rock or a piece of a rock, okay? So Petros, small rock or a piece of a rock, all right? But Jesus said, I'm going to call you Peter. I'm going to call you Petros. I'm going to call you a small piece of a rock. That's awesome, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Okay? This rock in the Greek is not Petros, it's Petra. Okay? Petra. The Christian rock band was named after this. And guess what? They're celebrating their 50-year tour anniversary of rock and roll. Okay? Just in case you wanted to know that. But the, but the rock, Pet, Petra, is not a small piece of a rock. It's a giant, powerful, solid rock. And it's such a rock that, that it actually can be used for, like, mountains and mountain chains and stuff. It is a powerful, solid rock, okay? And Jesus said, you're, you're Petros, but on this solid, huge rock, I'm going to build my church and, and so it's the same word when Jesus talked about how people who hear his word and they do them, they're like a, a wise man, and, and they, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And no matter what floods and stuff come, it will never be shaken, all right? That word rock is the same word. It's, the, it's that solid foundation. It's not a foundation just big enough for your house to sit on it. We're talking like mountain. Come on. All right, it's, it's so powerful, so big, so mighty that what's built on it cannot be shaken. And some people think that, that, that the rock that Jesus is going to build his church on is Peter, you know, one of the first apostles. No, it wasn't. He used Peter to co-labor with him to build it, but he was not the rock. Some people believe that and teach that. Peter was not the rock. It was the revelation that the Father gave the revelation was the rock. The revelation of what? What, what is it? Well, tell me, what was the revelation? 
Jesus. Yes, the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I don't think before this moment Peter even knew that there would be such a thing as a church. It, he, hadn't, he hadn't even used that word yet. Okay? But now, now he's telling Peter, this revelation that you had where the, where the God in the Spirit opened your eyes to be able to see who I am. Like you've been walking with me for however many years, and you've been watching me do these miracles and stuff, and you've been wondering who I am. Maybe I'm just a great prophet and, and all this stuff. But God let you see past the exterior to see me, who I really am on the inside, and he showed you I'm the eternal one. Wrapped in human flesh. I, I am the Messiah. I'm the Christ, the anointed one promised in the Old Testament. I'm the, I'm the Messiah who's coming, and I'm going to change everything, and I'm the son of the living God. He's my father. And so Peter had this encounter where God opened his spirit eyes to be able to see Jesus in the spirit. Most people could not see Jesus at that level, Okay. So, so the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, you have that revelation, and guess what? That revelation, this thing that we consider the basic thing, right? Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. He said, I'm going to build my ecclesia on that revelation, That revelation, I'm going to show you who I am, and, and you're going to know it. And if you and other people can come together with the same revelation of me being the Christ, the Son of the living God, you get two or three or more of you together in agreement on who I am, I'm going to build this thing on you, on that revelation, that's going to change this world. Yeah, the simple thing, the simple thing, the, the smallest thing that you could imagine as a Christian is the, is the most basic thing, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. We all know that. Well, you can go, go talk to the Methodist church. Go talk. Are the angels singing? Whoa. That's, I'm like, I'm about to have an encounter. Good. I'm going to start floating. You're good. But you can go to the, you can go to the Methodist church or the, the Baptist church or the Charismatic church or the Assemblies of God, whatever it is. If, if like, I'm going to say almost all of them, not all of them, but almost all of them are going to be able to agree at a, at a true heart level in this one thing. Yes, I, I do agree with you. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of the living God. And guess what? That is all that Jesus needs to build his ecclesia upon. But yet we go around and we judge each other. You don't do this, or you do that, or, or you didn't do that, or you, you hurt my feelings, or whatever it is. And Jesus this whole time is saying, this is my church. 
That, that thing that you didn't like, yeah, okay, so maybe there's stuff on it that, that, that I didn't build, but, but you get down to the true spirit of this thing, and I'm in it because they believe that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm in here, and I'm building my church with people who are coming together in unity and agreement. Oh, there's so much I want to say on this stuff. I'm serious. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, For no other foundation can any lay except that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you got Jesus, and you got him in true, like the true Jesus. I don't mean the false Jesus that the world's trying to reprogram Christianity with. I don't mean that Jesus. The true Jesus and you, and you believe and you know him by the Spirit of God. Like God has actually helped people to know him in that way. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. It feels like the most basic thing. And guess what? That's all Jesus needs to have his ecclesia to build upon. And the gates of hell cannot prevail. <laughs> There's so much more because you, you guys are only starting to see this thing here with me. The, I'm, I don't mean... I mean that I'm trying to say. You might have your own things to say. Peter came into the revelation, all right? Everybody say it again. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter finally got the revelation where he could see it from his spirit, man. And so he, he, he got the revelation, which was the rock. The revelation is the foundation, okay? It is the foundation that the church gets built on. All right, it's the foundation, and so the church, sorry, is built on the rock, the Petra, okay? It's the big foundation, and Pe Peter came into the revelation that he was going to build his church on, and so Peter, all of a sudden, through this revelation, gets transformed. Jesus just completely um, altered his identity. You're not just Simon anymore. You're a Petros, I'm revealing this bigger thing of the kingdom, and I'm, I'm bringing you into this with me. I'm changing who you are so you can become one with this thing I'm revealing to you. And Peter became an apostle who, who Jesus used to co-labor in building the, the foundations of his church, all right? And so the revelation of Jesus Christ will transform you. When God shows you himself in whatever way he chooses to show himself to you, you will be changed to be more like him in that way. He's going to shape you into what he's shown you. All right? Simon, Simon he, he went from Simon Bar-Jonah, which means the son of Jonah or son of John, to Petros, who's going to soon be called the son of God, not just the son of John, but the son of God, right? So he went from Simon Barjona to Petros, son of God. Bar God. <laughs> Jesus was bringing him into union with who he was revealing him to be. He was coming into the very thing, that the foundation of what he's going to build his church on. Come on, guys. And so what is that necessary thing that God needs to have to build his church? Tell me. 
Yes, it's the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God. Man. I'm at battles with the clock right now. I, I, I told you this is going to be line on line, precept on precept. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to figure out a way to wrap this up without carrying on with my notes here. I'll, I'll do some of that next week. Listen, there's one thing I can give you today, all right? It's that Jesus is seeing, the, in, in the spirit, he's seeing beyond the man-made crap. And, and yes, the man-made crap has looked awesome, felt awesome maybe, or maybe it looked horrible and felt horrible, whatever that thing might have been. Okay, and, and there's, there is a lot of stuff that people have built into the church that, that was not what Jesus was building. That's true. And in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul's talking about how, and he's actually talking about the church, like God building his ecclesia. He's talking about how I'm laying foundations and other people are building on it. And he talks about how some people, uh, they're, they're building on this foundation with silver and gold and precious gems, and those things are going to last forever. But some people are building wood, hay, and stubble, and those things, well, it's wood, hay, and stubble. And he says that it's going to get... It's going to get tested by the trying of fires, okay? That's not talking about hell. It's talking about trials. And, and the Lord allows us to get tested because he wants to reveal to us what he was building because what he builds will last and endure, and it's always good. But when we start building things outside of what he's doing, and we all do it, there is not one person in this room or state exempt from that. We all do it at some level. Build wood, hay, and stubble because we're, we're building our own things that we forgot to check to see if God was in it or not. <laughs> we're built, it's in the, and it calls it dead works. There's good works and there's dead works. What makes the difference? Was Jesus doing it or was he not? And the church has a lot of stuff that humans got, they brought, they brought good ideas into it, and we start building programs, or we start building stages, or we start building, like creating music, and whatever it is, or we've got our programs, or we got our classes, or the, whatever the stuff is, but, but the, you know, and so people, sometimes they get burnt out on all that stuff, and, and they start seeing like, man, this does not look like what I always thought it should look like when I read Acts. And so sometimes we have a tendency of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That doesn't look like the church, so therefore it is not the church, and God's going to tear it down. Or I'm going to leave this thing because it wasn't the church. Oh, really, did God tell you that? Or are you judging what you see from your eye? 
Because when God shows us what he sees in the spirit, he, he can go down to the very basic foundation and he can say, these people, they believe that I'm the Christ. They believe that I'm the son of the living God. And that is all I need to build my church on. So yes, there are things that people look at and call it church that he doesn't call the church. But that doesn't mean that the church is not in there in it. It just means that maybe the Lord wants to help us to refine things and purify things to get to the core. And that's what I hope that we're going to be doing over the course of this time is, is we're helping, we're trying to identify who does God believe his church is. Because I think we have called things the church that God has said, I was never in that stuff. But that doesn't mean I'm not in it. I am in it and I am building something. So let's focus in on what I'm doing. Are you guys tracking with the heart of what I'm trying to go after right now? There's too much judgment in God's family against one another, and that just doesn't do anything good. And, and, uh, and I know, I know that there's good reason to, to feel that way often because of woundings. But if you read the word and you follow the heart of Jesus Christ, you cannot ignore that Jesus isn't just inviting us. He's actually requiring us to be able to work through our heart stuff, to release things to him, to release our judgments to people, to him, and to release to him the pains that other people caused us. And to be able to forgive, and, and not only just to forgive somebody who wounded us, but to determine by the Spirit of God and Him alone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to see the goodness of God in them on the other side of this thing that hurt me. Are you guys hearing me? Like, like Jesus needs us to get past our stuff so that we can start grabbing a hold of the real stuff and build with it because he's got something powerful to do in this world through you and me. And he sees that the thing that, that he calls the real thing, if we can lock in on the real thing, okay, and allow him to do his processes of releasing the wood, hay, and the stubble, like he's got something that Satan and his entire armies cannot shake it. I'm telling you. you, we talk about wanting to change the world. We got to know who we are first. And I don't just mean as individual sons and daughters of God. I mean the church, the ecclesia. We need to know who we are so we can live accordingly and be this unshakable force in this world. And, and I am going to preach to you guys about, about the, the gates of Hades cannot prevail, but we got to get this part first. Okay, and I'm not done with what I was going to say today. It's just coming next week. Because we got to talk about how Jesus said, I will build my church. I'm going to be the one who builds my church. We're going to talk about more of that stuff. It's going to be awesome. But I just need you guys to hear my heart that God 
sees greatness underneath the crap. And we need to choose to partner with him and see what he sees and agree with it. Do you guys hear me? Yeah. All right, here's, here's what I want to do right now to close this out. Why don't you guys stand with me? Sometimes I think I have too much content. But how can you have too much content when God is infinite? <laughs> Help us. Help me, Lord. Some people might be like, man, it's, we went past 12. This is a leadership wound. I've seen at least two people, if not more, in this church post a meme, by the way. <laughs> and I, I think it's funny. But it talks about how there's a, there's a fine line between a, a preacher's long sermon and holding us captive. <laughs> I forgive. I forgive that. I'm just, I'm just messing. Wow, you just redeemed that. Thank you. I just hope that wasn't flattery. No. All right. All right, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. This, this may not be for everybody. Probably will be for more than we think, though. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, do I have any offenses towards your ecclesia? Do I have any, any, any judgments towards your church or towards leaders or towards types of churches or, or even this church, whatever it might be? Do I have anything in my heart, in my mind, that, that's actually creating a barrier to my ability to be able to see the church the way you do in the spirit, where you see the glory in it, you see the goodness in it? Just ask him. Do I have any any wounds from leaders or Christians in the church from the past or present that I have not worked through and, and gotten healing and peace in? Like, just ask him. You may know exactly what it is. He might remind you of something from 20 years ago that you never got right. Just take a moment. Because God wants to heal you. He wants to restore your heart. He wants to heal wounds. He wants to, he wants to release forgiveness, minister reconciliation. So, all right, Lord, I, I just pray for every single one of us right now that you will do just a powerful, redemptive work in our hearts. Lord, that we will not judge people according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, that we will not judge the church according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Give us the, the insight by the revealing, Lord, from the Father, God. Show us who the church is. Show us who each other is. And, and help us, God, to be able to release anything the, that makes it hard for us to function from that place as a normal way of life. As a normal way of life.
I ask you to bless everybody. Give us the revelation from the Spirit of God of the dynamic, powerful, and pure form of the ecclesia that you know that we are so that we can continue to grow in what you're building, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Why don't we give God a big shout of praise?